This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Nice to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to drink wise. Episode 22, Series 8. And I look at the computer screen here in the South Bank Studios and I see Craig Hutchison on it. And Hutchie, you're over in London. Good afternoon. G'day, Damo. How are you, mates? Uh, top of the morning to you. And, yeah, it's great to be here in the UK. It's been an uh, extraordinary build-up to the second test. The city is buzzing, Damo, with Basball versus the Aussies. You'd be right in your element as a one-time Sheffield Shield uh, great writer that you were. And uh, it's going to be a fascinating second test. And how good for, for world cricket. So such momentum around this test and can't wait. Okay, we time code. We do it off the top most weeks. Uh, it's Tuesday evening in Melbourne. I'm about to head off to the AFL Hall of Fame. And obviously you just said good morning. So it's Tuesday morning where you are. And are you going to this Lords test match, which starts tomorrow? Yeah, I'll be there tomorrow. I'll be there. We've got a whole. We've got the radio rights, as you know, which was a record streaming week for us last week, and we've got clients in town from everywhere, all over the place. So, lots of pretty busy actually, to be honest, to try and fit everything in. But uh, first world problems. You look, uh, look at you. How many you're off in the in the bag of fruit off to the Hall of Fame? How many people on the escalator in about this time of the year, June? It's about when everyone's arguments are at their, their highest in football media. How many people are you looking kind of sideways at on the on the escalator up? Because you can, that escalator's tricky. If you get stuck on the escalator with someone you're in a fight with, from my history, you've yeah. got that awkward kind of, you know, 30 to 45 second ride where you've got to look away or not sure how it's going to go when you get to the other end. The escalator ride always was the one at the Hall of Fame, though. And you have had more blues than anyone, you're 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 punching on with about five clubs. You got a thirty percent chance of getting having a bad escalator experience. <laughs> no, mostly, um, no, I, I know what you're referring to there, and I have lived it many many years over the twenty five or thirty <laughs> I've done it. But I'm actually in a in a weird spot at the moment. I, I haven't apart look probably probably Hawthorne supporters. Hutchie might be the number one people at the moment, but yep. outside of that, I've managed to without without um, planning to and without actually. Um, having any control over it, I reckon I've got through to what are we round fifteen without any major issues. Now, I could be tempting fate by even addressing that to answer your yeah. question here because we've got a long South way tonight. to go. But because as you know, there's no control over any of that, is there? It's just how the no. season unfolds. And you say something at one point in time, and it's, it'll yep. blow up. And I'll probably say something often even the next twenty minutes on this show. It, my experience in in journalism, Damo, often you were at least in one fight that you were unfamiliar yeah. you were in. Yeah. Until an event, until an event like tonight, when someone pulls you aside and says, "Tell me what you're thinking when you wrote this back on the yeah. 16th of May or whatever it is," and you go, "What?" Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're embroiled in a saga, and that's a possibility for you tonight. Yeah, I, look, it is actually, and um, probably with us doing this show right now, I'm probably going to miss that um, the the uh, the frantic sort of dash to the, the to the reception and the, and the dinner tables because I'll, I'll be a few minutes late, so I reckon I might miss the danger zone. Hopefully. Hopefully, so yep. uh, there might be a little bonus to show with you right now. Just while we're making small talk, before we put our teeth into some big issues, and there's a heap of media issues to deal with this week, but um, just while we're making small talk, do you know, I've, three times on this trip already, once on the plane, once randomly in a restaurant in Chelsea on Saturday, and a third time on Sunday in a group of people, people will ask me about how the armrest went for me <laughs> on the way over. So, I've become the armrest guy. Well, how did How's it go? Because it, it is a question I wanted to get to you early on because you started this uh, social commentary around the, the sharing of an armrest on a plane. You yep. always now fly up the very front of it. So it's not as big an issue no. for you as it is for most of us. But what happened on the way over? 
Well, I, I thought through the armor strategy a little bit. I asked permission early. So would you mind if I, you know, used a little bit of it? And then just, as, as you know, it's a subject to avails. But the, um, the the fascination people have with their own strategy now, like I sit down on planes and from time to time people look over and m- motion with their elbow and <laughs> it's, it's had a bit of a social court. So I, on Saturday in the restaurant, I thought I was in trouble for something. Like I was sitting there on my own, minding my own business, having a late lunch. Uh, I had the laptop out, as you'd expect, and someone approached the table and I thought, oh, you know, I'd have laptops out or, you know, I've forgotten to pay for something or something. And and then the, the approach was specifically around the armrest situation. So uh, <laughs> it's a global issue, Damo. Anyway, we digress. Is, is Just before we move off that, is, is there a technique that people are volunteering to you you hadn't yet thought of? Uh, look, there's been some good learnings, but there's also been, you know, some good reaffirmation that my strategies sound one too so yeah but i don't think you ever become a perfect armrester you've got to work on it the whole time it's a bit like um you know you've got to actually have a a long game approach and you've got to be forever refining your armrest strategy on a plane so i'm not i'm not sure i'm there yet but i'm, I'm getting better than what i was i think and you've got to stay focused on it too actually because i've known you well it's enough and long enough to know that yeah. you can lose focus and whatever strategy you've got could go out the window very quickly and you wouldn't even realize it yeah, you can. It can build up as a two or three hour issue before you've you've realised, and that's very hard to unpick. It's very hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube from there. Yeah. Um, now, hey, I, I want to start with you first. About? I want to start with you. you. You've been on a, a purchasing campaign for the last three years. You've been buying basketball clubs, radio stations, newspapers, uh, people, contract. You're buying an Apple club, I see. So I, I read the I read the story. So what I would say to that, in all sincerity, is this. I'm always looking into, on behalf of our business, what role we can play in a sport and where and how. Hutchie, it's not Spin City, mate. We... Are you buying a netball licence? At the moment, we're looking at a whole raft of sports and a whole raft of things in the future at some stage, whether we get involved or not. So that's the that's the reality. And sometimes we look at things out of curiosity. Sometimes we look at things to... It's a bit like you as a journalist, don't I? Sometimes you look into stories just to rule them out rather than in. Clearly, there's some reform going on in Super Nipple. So it would be remiss not to do and have a look at the sport and where it sits and where it's going and what role we might play in it. In New Zealand, we've got the radio rights, for instance, in Nepal. We don't have them here. So there's clearly a discussion around that at some point in the future as well. So, yeah, just always have a, have a look and try and understand the sport. What I would say about the sport, just while we're talking sports, it's got really good momentum as a sport, like record crowds in the semifinals last weekend. Um, you know, crowds are up significantly year on year looks like the grand final sell out it's a fantastic sport great athletes and i think the administration and leaders are really strong and, and probably not getting the credit they deserve in the way that they're bringing the sport forward so in terms of the sport i think it's plays a very important part of the australian sporting landscape that's not to say that we would get involved or otherwise demo but as always looking at um yeah, what our role in any sport would be. I'm just going to ask you one more time because people listen to this and they then record and they then publish what, what we say on this and particularly you. So are you going to be buying – or so? Are you, sorry, I'll rephrase it. Are you seeking to purchase a licence to run a netball club in the national competition? All I, all I and we are doing is just merely investigating the sport and where it wants to go and whether there's a role for us or otherwise in it. All That's right. it. At the I, moment. I'll so. paraphrase that that answer in that previous four minutes for whoever may want to pick this story up. Hutchie is all in on the available license in the National League. 
that that would be that would be incorrect to say. What would be correct to say, Damo, <laughs> is that like any sport, we're in most sports, as you know. So it's not abnormal for us to be un- trying to understand the direction, the future ownership, the teams, the opportunities, the media rights. All those things are a normal day. So um, it would be fair to say we're investigating what role we can play in netball in the future, and what that role is, I don't know, or if, but I'm a fan of where they're going and I believe they can get to where they want to go yep. as a sport. And I think it's a really important part of Australian sporting landscape. And just on that, now, again, I'll, I'll have my, I've had my fun, so I'm now having treating this tr- seriously. Are you um, restricted by what you can say, being the CEO of a, a listed company, when, when it comes to the potential purchase of something like this? Do you need to alert the market first, is what I'm trying to get to? Well, not to dodge the question, but... In in reality, like I spend, you know, you watch me, Damo. I spend all all day trying to understand sports and where they're going and what role we can play in them, and where. And sometimes our role in a sport is the production partner, i.e., our business rainmaker. Sometimes it's for the talent management business. We manage Bianca Chatfield, for instance, via our Bravo talent management arm. Sometimes it's about a radio show or digital series. We make a show called Center Court. Sometimes it's about team ownership. Sometimes it's about TV radio rights. So always just looking at opportunities and sometimes they get momentum and sometimes they're misconstrued as approaches. So that's not really any different here. Just being keen to understand the landscape given theirs. I don't feel like I would be doing my job if I didn't investigate the landscape of what, where they're going and if there's any opportunities. Yeah. Um, and I would just frank that by saying, I think the sport, you know, people should get behind the sport. It's got a tremendous uh, leadership and a really good future. Yep. Hachi, as you said a few moments ago, there are a heap of media topics we, we need to dive into hard. Um, let's start with the, the, the fake tweet that our man uh, Mitch Cleary found himself the, the subject of during the, the week. Uh, for those who hadn't caught up with it, Clayton Oliver, Melbourne footballer, Melbourne superstar footballer, uh, long-term injury now, when I say long-term, four weeks of, of injury and a, a fair bit of narrative around it, found himself uh, the subject of, of someone doctoring up and, and using his one of his social media handles to, to basically distribute a fake piece of information under his name. Now, it was very quickly realised that it, that it was fake and, and it was very quickly cleared up, but when uh, when you've got one of the, the the news breakers, the prominent news breakers in town, uh, being subjected to this, uh, it's a it's a point in a career that um, you probably could argue you've you've made it. Yeah, how it's the the football journalist has become the modern day villain. That the football journalist has become the heel in in wrestling speak in footy, the bad guy. And um, once upon a time, people just spread rumours. Now they actually. Uh, misattribute them to journalists and link you to, to wrong Twitter accounts of journalists. And oh, by the way, we deserve no sympathy as journalists because we play a pretty aggressive game. So I'm not here to, to, to woe is, woe is us or bet I've been a long time retired, but um, it is, it is just a part of the modern digital world demo that report. What do you think? Oh, well, again, the way it was worded, I, I know, I know Mitch pretty well and, and you do too. And, and, and again, I, I actually wasn't, um, I was out on the night in question. So I, I was kept playing catch up on what happened um, long after the event. So I didn't see it unfold in real time. But once I saw it and once I saw what was at, at issue, it, it was not the wording of, of Mitch. You could tell that, I could tell that straight away. So immediately, you know, I mean, I, I go to, is this real anyway, no matter what I read or hear or say or see. So that's my first question, no matter what it is. And what, did, what did you think of the media strategy from Melbourne to get ahead of the rumours? And uh, they, they clearly asked 
radio stations on the pregame to ask them about the rumours. And there were some quotes where the um, where the assistant coaches and others said, "Oh, thanks for giving us the opportunity to clarify this." So it was clearly they were clearly planted questions. Mm around the place on the weekend as Melbourne sought to get ahead of it and a release. Yeah. Your thoughts on the strategy on that? I've got a policy whereby if it is totally or, or purely social media, which is driving the, the rumours, and that's what we're referring to here, rumours, I, I would rather not bring it into the mainstream. Now, I understand the club doesn't have that luxury. Sometimes they feel because they're under siege from their own supporters and, and own questions that are coming in, in a – in, in a rapid-fire way, that they need to use the mainstream media to do it. So I, I'd argue, though, Hutchie, that, that Melbourne's handling of the of the Clayton Oliver situation actually contributed to, to this story getting out of hand because they, I'm not going to say lied, but they were very, very economical with the truth on on the previous four weeks, almost on a daily basis, on, on what the state of his hamstring was. He was going to play for four weeks in a row. He, in fact, the training session before the most recent game, the Thursday night game, Alan Richardson, the footy operations boss, said if he gets through training today, he he will be playing tomorrow night. And then we learned after that game, where again he wasn't playing, that he'd already had a had a, had a surgery. Sorry, a, a scan booked for the next day. So line all of those commentaries up with with where we got to. Have they been open about this being a pretty um, serious in inverted commas hamstring complaint that he's got, and not one that was going to have him playing every single week for four weeks? The other stuff wouldn't have happened. Now that's my observations on that from the outside. Yeah, I, what my view on that would be, I differ a little bit on the social media observation from you. I think that's an outdated view. I think social media is the mainstream. I think the the narrative is completely flipped. It the the battleground of modern information is via digital media, but not you, by traditional but, but media. You, your use of the word information there, Hutchie's key information, not rubbish. Yeah. Okay. So, however you describe it, lies or or news or fake news or whatever. Digital media is the battleground of information um, transport, transportation. And if it has a, a life of its own on a digital sense, it, it probably does need addressing. Yeah, I, I disagree so I with a, that. I, I, I really disagree with that. Did, did your station address it before Melbourne did? Uh, no, I don't, I don't see that's our, that's our right to do that. I think it's a club's we, – we wouldn't address – the rumour of it uh, at all. Yeah. That we, we don't go near that. But I understand – I would I would guess Clayton Oliver asked Melbourne to, to, to deal with it. I would guess that Clayton said, hey, we better – you better you better set people straight here because I'm copping it from everywhere. And if the player asks, well, then you're moral bound, I think, to do it, particularly if his family's getting some heat. And it does run the risk of making it a bit worse, to your point. Um, but if it has a digital life of its own, I don't think you have you have too much choice than to perhaps address it and, and move on. And people do move on pretty quick once you once you address things. And if you don't address them, they can linger for a long time. There seems to be a rumour every year in footy that's not true that lingers for months. Mm. And this had the potential to be that that same one. So I think they've, they've probably handled it okay. Bounce around a couple of other topics here uh, reasonably quickly because uh, we don't have answers to them. The Mel- Melbourne Cup rights, Hutchie, horse racing style of Melbourne Cup I'm referring to here. Uh, yep. still, it's still going to be with Channel 10 as far as I can read articles this year, as in 2023. But beyond that, it's it's up for grabs. What do you got there? Yeah, I don't think well, – it doesn't feel like that's been a smash hit, the relationship between Melbourne Cup and 10, other than the check being the biggest one at the time. It probably hasn't reset 10's business like they hoped it might from a uh, cross-marketing point of view, and it probably hasn't achieved the scale of the audience that AC Victoria would have liked. So it, it, it feels like it's 
it's uh, it's a, a mutual uh, mutually agreed breakup. I would I would guess. I don't think ten would be. It's not the end of the world for ten. Um, and then seven are so chips in on racing fifty two weeks a year, and for nine it's strategic. So yeah, you can see that those two businesses have probably got the best chance. I, I do think the um that there's so many different ways to um, bundle that deal, given the global rights, the revenue that comes through it the power that it would add into a wagering discussion. Like it's, it's a highly strategic uh, asset that week. And the fact that it can be unpicked from other deals, like most media rights deals you got to buy for a year or for, you know, several years, whereas it's really a week of, um, so it does sit as a bit of an Island. It's a bit like state of origin, probably in that respect, I guess it's all bit state of origin gets bundled into the same deals with the NRL, but they choose to do that. So yeah, I, I could see why, um, it would be of appeal. And, and probably from the uh, Racing Victoria point of view, you want to make sure that you've got a 52-week relationship if you can or an ongoing relationship with the winner if you can. Whereas with 10, they probably pick it up for a week and, and off they go again. So that's, yeah. And and then the scale on the audience. So it looks like it's heading to a, a 7 or a 9. Mm. Um, 7 are long into racing, so they probably start favourites, don't they? But who knows? Yeah. Yep. Damien Hardwick uh, choosing the the Dylan Buckley, the Dylan Friends podcast to basically yep. state publicly what what I think the industry had known, and that is he he misses the game, he loves the game, and he wants to be back in it. It's it's pretty soon though, Hutchie. But he made a reference. We're talking obviously this Tuesday this week. It got released yesterday publicly of this week Monday. Um, he referred in the interview to to being two weeks removed from the decision. Now whether that's just a slip of the tongue or, or whether it was two weeks ago, but either way, even even it was released on the day it was broadcast or, or, or recorded. It, it's still soon for him to say he misses it, he loves it, he wants to be back. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a shot across the bow for everyone. He, he wants a job next year, Hachi. Put pressure on the system, didn't it? Like if you think that Damien might be available, or your next coach, it does force you to think about making an early decision on your existing situation. And there's a couple of those around the place. Yeah, clearly, Port Adelaide. Uh, clearly, the Gold Coast, you know, maybe others. West Coast is still sitting there in the background, and you'd be a fit there too. So, yeah, it, it puts pressure on the system. I was, I thought the choice of who he sat down with was, was a good one. Like, you know, my belief in the younger consumer coming through that's influencing behaviours and and media narratives. And Dylan's clearly one of those. He's um, done an amazing job of build scale in his uh, own digital business, producing. Well done to him, and. You know, it was probably an environment where Damien could feel comfortable and he's not being perceived in that environment to be shopping himself either. Mm. So it, it was a soft landing interview. I thought it was a nice way for him to get his agenda out whilst be seen to be you know, supportive of an ex-player or a friend. So I, I didn't mind the choice. And I think we're going to have to get used to those sort of choices from subjects, Damien. They're going to happen more and more in footy. I've got no doubt, Hutchie, that when he made the decision, as as he did after the tenth round of this season, he, he was done, and 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 he made that pretty clear. And I'm not at all doubting that. But if you were Richmond, would you right now be looking at this situation and just wondering what he what he may be going through, or or, or may, what he may have been um, deciding to do, given he's breaking a contract, or, or he's chose to to end a contract that that took in. The rest of of this year and and next, I still think on, for, from, upon memory that twenty twenty four was part of it as well. Either way, he still has left Richmond. Would they be having rights to just wonder what he's doing and what he's going through? 
I think it shapes as a win-win, doesn't it? Like they probably found the exit door for each other at the exact right time of the relationship. So I, I'd actually think they'd be they'd be uh, encouraged by it. And he's he's clearly going to be one of the greatest ever figures. And hmm. yeah, I, I, it feels to me like a, a bang on. Hey, there's a new style of story in the paper, Damo. I like it when you pick up on this. What do you got? There's a new style of story that's hit the paper, and I say this with great tongue in cheek, but we can have a bit of fun. The new style of story in the paper. Where did the money go if we didn't get it? Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so for those regular uh, consumers of the Sounding Board will know, we've had a fascination with the – or Damo's had a fascination with the state government pulling its spend of News Limited. Um, Victorian state well, Particularly the Herald, Herald Sun. And the first battle – we talked about the battleground. So the first battleground was the negative stories and yeah. the in- industries talking about how they won't get – uh, advertised or covered. And, I, I and, and they're trying to cover this different... as a story whereby the public missed out, that they wouldn't be um, privy to, to, to crucial and, and life-altering information when it comes to, um, you know, warnings about bushfires and floods. And, and that's the way they tried yep. and attempted to sell it to the public, where really it was just a sook up about not getting access to the government spend. So the next phase of this, and I, I don't, this is just having a bit of fun. I don't, it's, this is just all fair and love and war in journalism. <laughs> Is investigating now who is getting paid. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. here's one from uh, June 25, Damo. Yeah. Cost of consultants, contractors soar under Daniel Andrews leadership. Yeah. I'll try and read it in the media media watch voice. Victorian taxpayers have been stuck more than $24 billion on consultants, contractors, and labour hire fees since Daniel Andrews came to office. Now, here's paragraph two, Damo, which I enjoyed. The figures which have been collated by the state opposition through <laughs> annual reports and budget estimates, reveal a dramatic rise in the reliance of outsourced work across major government departments, Victoria Police. The data shows that spending on contractors in the past uh, from 1.276 to 4.49. In the same time, you always look for these big words that uh, create. So see if you can spot the big word in this sentence, Damo. In the same time, the state's public service has ballooned with Victorian <laughs> wages bills soaring from $24 billion to $35 billion. So that was example one of who got paid when we didn't. Yeah. I reckon there's another one from the week. I'm just going through my WhatsApp <laughs> you sent me. It was a good pick-up by you, this. No, I, I didn't pick up on that one. I've, I've, there's another one I want to get to that someone else, one of our other listeners picked up on it. It's slightly removed from uh, what you're referring to there. You can't find what you're talking about there or – Oh, there's a second example of who else got got like that. Where the money's going has yeah. become a thing. A thing. Are you referring to the 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 player wages piece that they did on the weekend? Is that what you? Oh, oh no, no. no. This I'll find the second example. There's a second example of um, so where money's gone as as where the um, where the narrative has moved to in the ongoing uh, jousting between the two parties. And what I loved about when I mentioned the state opposition, so that, this is how that goes, right? G'day, it's um, State Political Reporter Harold Sun here, opposition. How are you? Yeah, we're good. Hey, look, it might be one we can work on here together. <laughs> boss, is, boss is keen to get up. 
and understand, boss, you know, yeah. you might have read, might have read recently that we've, we've had our um, spend adjusted. So we were thinking we might actually start doing a little bit of work into whether the money is being spent in the right areas. Oh, that's music to my ears. So you haven't got any estimates access, have you, of where some of the money's gone? You haven't got a research there. We're a bit light on for staff today that could go and run the numbers. Oh, yeah, I've got 15 people here that actually got a whole team in the back room here, the opposition, just waiting for this call. They've been here for three years waiting for it. I'll get it. They'll work through the night. I'll get this pulled together for you. What time would you like it tomorrow? And, and so, how, how, how big do you want the number to be? 24, Bill? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the numbers are accurate. If you go over history of government spend, of course it looks big. If you go take a 12-year lens on it. Um, but, um, yeah, the, the state opposition, normally the opposition do the work in those instances but aren't named in the story. But I guess there was no way around naming them than in the second paragraph. So well, that, that's that also the... um, that's also in keeping, though, isn't it, with what we also often refer to is when you do a tribute, you're actually attributing it to, to that person just in case the numbers are wrong. So Just in case, if, yep. if this number's wrong, hey, this is not on us. This is on them. Yep. yep. Hey, um, just so on... You... You mentioned one you saw. Uh, well, I, I didn't, but I'm, I'm going to go to something now, Hachi, that actually um, that was uh, broadcast on RSN last week, radio station here in Victoria. I just want you uh, – I, I know you're aware of this. Uh, I just want you to hear it again, though. And I can't – well, you can't keep <laughs> – you can't keep the name Bomber, right, or Bombers, and, and have no logo because people say, well, what sort of Bombers are you now? What, terrorists? You know, uni bombers. I mean, Middle Eastern people blowing themselves up around the world. I mean, if you go have the bombers, you might as well keep the plane, okay? Because you don't want it to be open to interpretation from, from you know, rival fans. They'll get a new nickname, etc., etc. So, I don't think this is going to get off the ground at all. Have you got any idea what that's about, and what what is trying to be said there? Uh, I, I didn't hear it at the time, and. What, I'm not sure what your your point is, but I think what he was trying to say there. We're Robert, talking about was, Mark Robinson here. Yep. Yeah. Now, I, in in defence, I think what he was trying to say was you don't want people misinterpreting those comments uh, by um, wrong exaggerations, and he used some in you know, a perhaps a little slightly clumsy manner. But I, if your inference is that he's that, that was inappropriate language, I don't think that was the intent. I know that if you said that or if I said that or if, or if someone at a non-Herald Sun outlet said it, anyone, just insert name here, I know that that paper would have been very keen to have a look at it in their own publications and to ask questions about it and ask questions of, of uh, bosses of certain people around uh, the whole situation. I, I know that to be the case. You, you, you took offence at that? I, I don't know what the argument was. And I also know the language used would be would be something yep. that that, that organisation would be very keen to, to whip up into a frenzy if someone else had said it. So, again, I've got no other reason yeah. to raise it yeah. for that reason. I raise those topics semi-regularly on this show because of the hypocrisy attached to, to, to how... Yeah, um, I, no, I, I know you do. I, I think... I know what he was trying to say there. It probably wasn't as articulate as he would have liked, but well, do, do um, that, does that organisation that, and 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 maybe that person give the um, leniency to other people who who may be caught and tongue tied in certain situations as well? I, I don't know. Do they? Well, I don't think he's well, Robbo's not really been a gotcha journalism sort of guy. Like for all of his opinions that have differed to yours, I don't think that he's the sort of person that grabs a story like that and blows it up. Is he? Oh, like he, he can. He's part of a pylon regularly. Yeah. When, when, yeah, when, when okay. they when they well, want to pile on, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, 
I don't mean to sound insensitive to the, some of the things that he said either, but I just don't think that was his intent and what he was what he was saying. And he's obviously had a bit on his plate recently, so I'm I'm sure his intent was was better than that uh, around his footy club. Here's the second story, Dame. I found you found it. it. You found taxpayers, it. taxpayers were slugged almost three hundred thousand dollars <laughs> to create a website for a government corporation that boasts about innovation in digital technology. Breakthrough Victoria, That's an slug. independent company managing uh, a fund, also racked up a consulting bill. <laughs> um, it also signed off on 293425 for the Today Strategic Design. According to a quote from website builder GoDaddy, <laughs> new businesses can start one for $14.95. <laughs> That's again, same author, yeah, Mitch Clark. Mitch Clark's, it was the same author on the 21st. So Mitch Clark's got the... Who got our money uh, beat? <laughs> I'm going to pay attention to this now. You, you've actually you've actually brought this to our listeners' attention, not me on this one, but I'll, I'll be in all, all in on it. Um, I didn't know the letter was the same author. I'm just having a bit of bit of a laugh, but uh, yeah, it's fair. It's again not criticising. It's very fair. They they do. You know my views on their role in the state, and they deserve to be reflected in the in the um, in the structure of the. Yeah, but uh, that's very funny. One, one of our regular listeners, Hutchie, is um, fascinated like like you are with Peter Ford's work. And the Peter Ford, for those who don't know, I would argue the one of the preeminent uh, social um, media writers. Would that be a fair description of what yep. he does? Yeah, entertainment writers. And appears across the country on a lot of uh, radio and, and, and TV. Um, it was pointed out that a tweet that he had during the week was may have been clever. Now, we don't know if it is or not, but this is how uh, the tweet from Peter Ford uh, read. Just a call from Shane Warne's dad, Keith. His reaction to the miniseries is fascinating and totally valid. It's a mixed report card. Happy to share across Australia tomorrow. And then he's rattled off his one, two, three, four outlets that he's going to be on. Ross and uh, Russell, News Talk 4BC, 6PR Breakfast and, and Triple M in Hobart. And it was observed by this person who, who had uh, referred this to us. <laughs> this is very clever from Mr. Peter Ford, how he's using Twitter to, to then promote the radio shows and TV shows he's on the, on the next morning, which I think is really clever. Interestingly enough, same person then observed, and I think there could be something in this. It makes it sound like Warney's old man has rung him. But if you read the tweet closely, the word had is missing from the first line. So just backing over, yes. just a call from Shane Warne's dad, Keith. Not just had a call or just made a call. It's just yep. just a call. Um, and, then, so, and the person, so again, before we go any further, the person re- referring this to us is a massive fan of Peter Ford and thinks he's next level and finds his work fascinating. But that, if, if that's a deliberate um, omission of, of a word in that tweet, it's genius, Archie. <laughs> it's genius. Because you don't know. Did he ring or did he receive the call? It sounds to me like he never got it wrong. <laughs> like, sounds to me like he, he Keith rang someone other than him, and so he's just left out the word "had" just to get it through to the next morning. Yeah, good pickup. Like it. no, it's, it's, pick it's, pick it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing how uh, micro we're getting on the uh, on the sounding board these days. Very good pickup, though. What, what are you? Um, no, it wasn't me. No, I can't. I'll attribute that to someone who I think would rather be anonymous. Actually, uh, what did you make of the Shane Warne document? I, I, look, I didn't watch it. I'm not a Oh, God, it's hard to it's hard to describe. I'm not. I think if I had had I had nothing on and it had been on, I reckon I might have found myself watching. I, I, it wasn't appointment viewing for me, is what I'm trying to probably get to, and I I probably won't play catch up on it now either. What did you make of it from afar? I've only seen the clips on TikTok, so I haven't seen the actual show. I've seen probably 60, 90 second clips by twenty on TikTok, and found them found it um, fascinating. Um, I'm 
have some sympathy for the timing. If the family's uncomfortable with the timing, then well, they clearly are, aren't clearly, they? They clearly are. Yeah, clearly have clearly have some sympathy around that. In terms of the standard of the show, like it's oh, by the, and then the marketing of it was as a tribute, which is not you know it's not never going to be really a tribute, is it? It's going to be a a a, um, a biopic, so you got to do the the good, bad, and the indifferent. Uh, that said, I thought the acting performance, like it was fine, like it was good, like. What do we what do we get so obsessed with? So what if it was a look a bit cheesy and it was rushed a little bit? And to put a movie together of that ilk or a miniseries in that short a time, what's well, not going to be perfect? Did did people enjoy it? I enjoyed the bits that I saw. Um, I don't know why people get so hung up on, you know, it has to has to be the most like there'll be a day when it's done properly and differently, right? And mm. that's. So the timing would be the only thing I would question. I did feel a bit yeah. too soon. But. I, I reckon you've summed it up pretty well. And you, and you probably um, haven't asked or haven't been associated with some of it as I have. And I reckon what you've said there about the family feeling it's, it's just way too soon is, is probably the is where I'm at with it as well. On, on, the, on the standard of the show, if it had been brilliant, if it had been a Clint Eastwood-style movie, half the community would be... Uh, disappointed that they couldn't vent about it anyway. Like people actually enjoy when they don't think things that, oh, this is no good. Oh, this is rubbish. I can't wait to get on Twitter and tell people how garbage I reckon this is. Yeah. Like some people actually uh, feel validated by that anyway. Yep. Um, we'll get to the question of the week in a moment, Hutchie, just before we do. Are you, and you don't... Way, are, you, um, are you interviewing Jake Landsberger on the red carpet tonight, by the way? <laughs> I see that he's been offered around to other media on the back of the top 100 paid players, which is a mighty piece of marketing. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there today, but we both received that email, obviously, or that was in the email WhatsApp we've got, or the uh, WhatsApp group I, we've got. I love it. Do you? I love it. Yeah. That's, Would you, you have, a piece of work what, did, on the did your, uh, did your um, station interview him? I don't think it did, did it? It's it's possible. I'd, I would be surprised, but it's possible it happened and I missed it. But it's good, <laughs> actually, it's good I, marketing. I think like it's you've got to actually put... You got to put your journalists out there to market them, so that's fair enough. Mm, no, I don't think there was much need to. Um... I just, when I, I just saw it. I, was la- I laughed when I thought of you. When I saw it, I thought, you thought, you thought, you thought of me. Yeah, be, yeah, be really happy to sit down with the joke. I, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think it was taken up by too many media outlets, Hutchie, uh, for what it's worth. Now, yeah. you don't like talking about this, and I'll, I'll, I'll therefore just I'll throw it out there and see what you think. Um, how's Victorian racing going? This week, after yet another week where uh, my man, I'm saying my man because you try and uh, talk him down, Peter Volandi's just announced increases and extra races and extra timings and extra monies on everything. And, and Victorian Racing is 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 suffering a a prize money reduction. Why do you, why do you get so caught up in this and because enjoy it so much? Racing Victoria, to me, Hutchie, seems to be completely asleep at the wheel. All, it's, all it does is complain about Peter Volandis and what New South Wales Racing is doing and doesn't do anything to actually improve its own lot. And we've now got a situation where you've got more money being pumped into the uh, the Everest. It's up to $20 million now, isn't it? $20 million. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's opening up a gap in New South Wales Racing on Victorian in... in uh, in prize money growth, and so it's clearly going to attract the best horses, trainers, and and jockeys on going. And then you've already and got that's great. And you've already got that race that's already established itself as probably the best race in Australia outside of the Melbourne Cup. Okay, and and I'm and I'm, I'm obsessed and always have been with the Cox Plate, but I think it's almost got it's equal with that. I think in in anticipation now. Um, on the same day as the Everest, which is worth twenty million dollars, if somehow just produced another five million dollar race over a mile, a week before the Cox Plate. So, so yep, that, that, that would potentially on. take out some of the, the better, you know, weight for age milers, 2,000 metre horses. 
from the and then the plate. Everest is still the Everest is still not technically rated a Group One race. Like you, you can yeah. only, it's like a faulty towers episode, that isn't it? Yeah, that you could actually not. And then and they it, could have the best best horses run, but not be classified. And then I, I don't even know where it is anymore. But I'm not across it, you know, like a racing one would be. But you've also got the um, the Golden Eagle, which is the the 1500 meter race for four year olds only, which will then again also potentially take away horses that would be either running in the Cox Plate or in in other races, other key races in the Melbourne Carnival. So. What are they doing? They, they, surely, can you help me out? Actually, actually, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tackle this issue from this perspective from here on in. You need to help out Racing Victoria. You, in fact, you might be their last hope. There you go. Please, I, I would add no value to that, that conversation. Well, but they, they very, need to do very tongue and cheek me to say. Um, they, they need to do something. Well, mate. It depends. It does depend on your view of how needed prize money is. No, how, how how much uh, excitement is attached to the races? We, we haven't done anything. We, we haven't in, we and I say, I say Victoria haven't introduced anything. The only thing they did do, Victoria, was introduce a a slot race, which was the All Star Mile, which is a poor cousin of what they once bemoaned as being a silly little idea from a silly little man. That being the Everest, and that's come back a million dollars in prize money, hasn't it? The golden the uh, I the think mile they've reduced that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I think they've got to run a commercially. Um, you can't just spend money for money's sake. You've got to be able to run a commercially viable business. And to, there has been a downturn in wagering, understandably, in recent months as the as the economy has adjusted and as uh, COVID uh, has adjusted and returned to work. So I, I would think racing as a turnover, I'm guessing, is down 5 to 7 8% maybe. So you can't – it's not growing the way it was, Damo. So you can't spend money you don't have either. So Well, well why, why can know, New South Wales do it in Victoria – can't and, and I'm not I'm not underestimating the the challenges for every single business, not just sports businesses and, and racing bodies. But why, why can yeah, they do it and we can't? And, and I say we because they've got they've got a, a fantastic deal maker at the helm in Peter. Yep, they've got I would think a better like a maybe a better aligned government structure now than say Victoria have. Perhaps been um, Victorian race has been wonderfully supported by government for a long time, by the way. But it's, I think they've got even more support in New South Wales, and the way they've lined it up, they've got um, a f- uh, less overhead. They run that business on less overhead. There's not less people and well, that, more. Now that now that's not a surprise yeah, more, from what I think I know. More of, money out of the way it's run down yep. here. Yeah, no, that, that, that's not a surprise find, to me. And they're very entrepreneurial in the way they run it. If you deal with Peter and we have dealings on both racing New South Wales and rugby league fronts. There's just, he's just looking for shared value the whole time. So that's, you know, I I think it's, I respect what he's doing. I don't begrudge Victoria doing what they're doing either. They're they're actually doing nothing. That's my point. They're doing nothing. Um, apart from cutting prize money, hey Hutch, let's head to yeah. uh, question. Well, it's a lot of money. To, it's a lot of money to tie up in very few days. Though. Like there's a, there's a counter argument to that of thinning out your investment over the year of your product. No, no one cares not, about it get, beyond the, the four days, Hutchie. I mean, they've built, if, they've built a if, spaceship at, at the course, and it's it may be used one of those four days in a capacity sense, and the, the rest of the three hundred and sixty four days, it, it, no what, one really cares. What what happens? is that the industries, some industries, don't actually understand or know their consumer in racing because they are – the wagers are, in essence, the marketing arm of the governing body, right? So the wager deals with the customer, and the industry often only sees them on big days or has a disproportionate lens of them in the members or in the chairman's lounge. They don't actually speak to their consumers every day directly. So that that – that is a bit of a gap in the model, I reckon. Like if I if I were running Race Victoria, I'm not sure I'd be 
the first thing I'd be doing would be lifting prize money either, to be fair. Like it's, they've got to build more, they've got to build, I think, greater relationships with their end consumer. The, the, the young punter is so wildly out of step with what they've been feeling they're talking to for a long time. Yep. I think Peter's got a better grip on that, perhaps. Oh, he's got a better grip on, on everything, I would have thought. Um, but again, I want, I'm going to make this a, a campaign for you to assist here because it's, it's dying, I think, Hutchie. Now, let's head to question uh, of the week. Yeah. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. It's an email this week. It's from John Malici. Forget about the Eagles on field and off field woes. How does a sporting organisation in this position keep its fans on board? Are there any small gestures that clubs can do to keep fans on side? It's a good question. Uh, and for those uh, not familiar with the West Coast Eagles' plight right now, uh, have won just three of their past 40 matches, uh, losing matches on average uh, this year by uh, basically 10 goals, closer to, close to 10 goals, and have lost four matches of their past eight by 100 points or more. They're a powerful club. Again, for those who don't uh, aren't aware of their existence, joined the AFL in 1987. Outside of Collingwood, are probably the most powerful club in the entire land, in the AFL landscape, but are going through a world of hurt and have been now for uh, two and a half years. Yeah, they're in a really interesting situation in that they don't have the same... Uh, normally when a club collapses, Damo, it comes with budget pressure, financial pressure, membership drops, the cash register's down, it puts pressure on the system. They're not like... Most clubs aren't sitting on war chests cash-wise. They're, they're immune to all West of that, Coast, Entirely different. So mm. they've got this system where they've got a mass wait list on memberships and tickets. They've got a reasonably affluent supporter base. They, they can't you know, spend the money they are. They're, they're basically not not for profits. They're they're owned by the Western Australian Football Commission, and and they they basically can't spend the money they make. Is that is that also a fair assessment? And they don't. The crowds like people will just go. Well, I'm going to buy my ticket and wait it out. You know, I can if it means it's three years. I'm not giving up my seats because. I'll just go to Margaret River for a couple of years and then I'll resurface when they're good again. So it's not, that's a bit of a stereotypical lens on it, but they're not, um, they don't have the same. And then the, the media pressure is not nearly what it should be. Now that's changing. You, you can see Anthony, the editor at the West Australians, holding them to greater account. His front page on Monday with the three stooges was clever and uh, strong and uh, made his point. And they're probably not used to that type of coverage either. Uh, there's others in the market. Um, you know, our own Mark Duffield's had a very good, good lens on the situation mm. and covered it well, but they're not used to um, day-to-day accountability from, it's a one newspaper town. They're not used to being held to account and they, and their standards have clearly slipped. What I don't work out is they should just pay luxury tax every year. Like go on, they, they just should say, look, for the next five years, we're going to spend one, one and a half, two, two and a half, three million more than everyone else in our footy department and just taxes. <laughs> like that, if you've got the competitive advantage where you can got the cash to burn, spend it on your footy program. Like they should have the most <laughs> well-funded high-performance team ever and just pay and the tax. For those unfamiliar, there's a 100% tax on any dollar spent over the, 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 the cap. And, and like, no, no club and since it. they've introduced this soft cap um, mechanism has has gone above the the limit. But you're saying just do it. That's unbelievable. If you bought it, if you bought one of the big four accounting firms in, and you said analyze what's wrong with our business, like there'd be sixty or seventy things. But point one a would be before we get started, can you just confirm to me that you're sitting on $60, 70000000 million in the bank, you have the means to pay the tax, and you've never chosen to. 
Just explain that to me before we even get into the work here. Like, that, Hang on, you're talking they, about they accounting are, firms. That they, they won't be encouraging spending of wasted money, would they? Surely not. Well, it's not wasted money. If you can spend your way out of performance, you get it back at the other end in sponsorship, membership, attendance, ticketing. Like that's They should be investing in that football program. How are they... How are they not paying tax? Like, there'd be 17 other clubs sitting there going, gee, if only if, if we were there and we, we had the means to, we'd be doing it. But, like, and they're not, they're not, um, like, they got the footy, the footy commission aren't reading them saying, we need this cash, don't touch it. You know, I, I don't understand that. Fair enough. Just on another more serious note, Damo, the time of recording, our thoughts and prayers are with Matt Rendell and his family. He's such a loved figure in football, a huge character. Um, just a great person to be around, had such a massive contribution to footy over 45 years as a great player, as a great recruiter, and now a fascinating media figure. He's in a fight at the moment, and you would have read the news about his un, um, his heart attack on the weekend. Our thoughts and best wishes and prayers are with him and his family. I know how well you've got to know him and, and got – to work with him across trade radio, um, all of our thoughts at Sports Entertainment Network, all media companies, I'm sure, um, and AFL.com are thinking of Matt and his family, and uh, we wish him absolutely every success in his fight at the moment, and we're, we're thinking of him.